0: In times where there's brokenness and, you know, the brittleness of the world um, is people typically turn to poetry. And, and I think that we, we tend to rest in poetry when the world is, is in unrest.
1: You Thinking, the podcast that goes beyond the pages of the books we love. I'm your host, Dana Goldstein, and I invite you to join me as we ask authors to share the story behind their stories. This episode is a big departure for me. I'm not really a good poetry reader. Scratch that. I'm not really a poetry reader. I tried way back when when I was a bookseller and I was buying fiction. I thought maybe I should try reading some poetry. That might be helpful. But I just, I never got into it. I dipped my toe into the poetry pool when I was in like grade 9. And I wrote a poem and it ended up in the yearbook that year and I've read it recently and it's garbage and I'm not going to share that with you because it's really completely juvenile and uninteresting. And since I so gloriously sucked at poetry, I figured the best people to ask would be poets. I'm talking to five of the six poets who contributed to Uncommon Grounds, an anthology put together by the Espresso Poetry Collective. These women met during a course at the Alexandra Writers Center Society. It was a poetry class where they got to share their poems, work on poems, build their poems, figure out how to structure their poems. And when the class was over, nobody really wanted to say goodbye. So they continued working together, forming the Espresso Poetry Collective, and they put out this book. So the guests that I'm speaking to for the next 30 minutes, are Linda Hatfield, Kimberly Jones, Sharon Christie, Ulite Price, and Laureanne Fuhr. Now, if poetry is something you have zero interest in, you're still gonna to want to listen to this episode because I asked, I asked all the questions that would run through your mind if you are not someone who wrote or read poetry. I'm really excited about this episode. We had some great conversations about how to read poetry and how to interpret poetry. And I had the five guests read a poem of their choice. So let's get going.
2: My name is Kimberly Jones. I'm an accredited public relations professional. And at the moment, I'm teaching in the journalism faculty at State. I have my own marketing business, which I've had now for some time and love to write advertising copy which is very much like poetry.
3: Linda, I'm a former teacher um, and a lover of poetry since I was in my teens when I started writing, I guess. I retired about six years ago and since then have tried to make writing more of a focus. I'm um, enjoying the poetry that I'm working on lately and courses I've been taking. I'm also working on writing a novel
4: I am Laurie-Ann Fuhr. I I uh, am an instructor of poetry at the Alexandra Writer Center Society. And uh, I work various other jobs, but of course, uh, anything to do with poetry and music are my favorite things to do. I am Sharon. I've been writing poetry since I was
5: young, but haven't really done anything with it. So this is kind of a new venture with, for me. I'm... Um, work as a therapist for Alberta Health Services
0: and currently work with young kids and teens. You lead. Hi, I'm a mother of two daughters who have also recently flown the nest. Uh, I work as a psychotherapist in private practice. I've been writing poems since childhood, um, and this is to my first endeavor to bring it to the Printed page. I typically write along the threads of the therapeutic, the humanistic, and the socio-political, as well as just the ordinary life.
1: So, who wants to tell me how uncommon grounds came to be?
4: Uh,
2: I think that's Lori's job.
4: Well, we met in a class at Alexander Writer Center Society, or AWCS. Um, and it was called espresso as a riff on, um, another class I was teaching the poetry cafe. And so, uh, it was like the coffee was even stronger and the poems are going to be even, even stronger as well. And then the the pandemic hit, right? So when we were finishing up the class and uh, we decided to keep workshopping over Zoom and, uh, we made a... twice a month schedule. And after that, we started to think about putting together a chapbook and uh, thought maybe we could do a book. And that's just what we did.
1: I'll be perfectly candid. Poetry is not my preferred product to read. Are are people born to read poetry? Do you think, or is it a learned skill? Like you know, like like Greek yogurt, it's an acquired taste.
3: I would say it's um, it's probably a bit of um, an acquired taste. Probably intimidating at first for a lot of people because they they're probably only familiar or mostly familiar with poetry from centuries past and um, modern poetry can be so um, different. I think that a lot of people, well I know I, I at least have one sister that said I, I just don't understand it, it's not my my thing and I need help with that and I, I, I believe that's probably fairly common among the experience of of the people that you know we're trying to reach but I also think the subject matter is so accessible that I think there's things that people can connect to if you find a poem that speaks about something you've experienced you're going to be able to connect whether you understand what a figure of speech is or not.
1: (laughs) Is there a right way to read poetry No, (laughs) No,
5: not at all. I think poetry is just is meant to be enjoyed and loved the way, whatever way you want. And, and, and I agree, I think people are afraid of it, which I think is kind of sad sometimes because, you know, if you think of forms that are related to poetry, like music and lyrics. Everybody loves those and quotes them and really enjoys them. And yet, I think there's a lot of similarity between that and poetry. It's just we we don't have the music added to it.
2: We we put punctuation into our poetry for well, it's there for a reason. But seriously, if you're not a if you're not an experienced poetry reader and you want to ignore the punctuation, well, you know that's okay. It's okay.
1: Doesn't (laughs) sound like it.
2: Well. (laughs) I mean, we use punctuation for a purpose, right? It it pauses people, it, it, uh, it kind of gives people a moment to take a breath or to think about what's been said or think about what might be coming. So I agree with Sharon, you, you don't have to read it in a particular way, except you might want to because you might get more of the poem if you actually pay attention to the line breaks and the punctuation and all of those things that we as poets struggle with so much.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that because... I think the common misconception is that poetry is just you just put words down. It doesn't require any deep thought or uh, editing. It's just a visceral reaction to something that you want to talk about or you know words you want to string together. That's one hundred percent wrong, right?
4: That would be, <laughs> I think, uh, a first draft. Or uh, the free fall approach where you just sort of let the ideas flow and you try not to stifle yourself or edit as you go. And that's sort of a good way to get things down and a nice uh, uh, free way to do it. But then uh, in editing it, you can sort of carefully craft it so that everything is done on purpose, as Kim mentioned, both with punctuation, word choice vivid imagery, yeah, uh, it
0: is very relatable. If you, if you read any of the articles uh, throughout this pandemic, poetry has been on the rise. Um, there's been a major research uh, and renaissance of, of poetry, and um, I think that that's worth mentioning because um, this kind of turning into poetry um, in times of uh, chaos, Um, in times where there's brokenness and you know the brittleness of the world um, is people typically turn to poetry and and I think that we we tend to rest in poetry when the world is is in unrest.
1: So what were some of the interactions like
2: when you were working on your poetry to put into the book? We trust each other absolutely in terms of Uh, providing feedback that's not going to leave our souls in tatters so (laughs) which is really important for poets but it's uh it's a wonderful loving process that we've developed over the course of time
1: right anytime you put your writing out there you are being fully vulnerable and Mm -hmm. i wonder if with poetry is it an even deeper vulnerability because a lot of poetry is emotion driven
3: I don't think there's much difference in the process between doing prose and poetry. It definitely, more than prose writing for me anyway, it's definitely a way to process things. So, you know, I've, I find myself waking up in the night and jotting down a couple of lines because something's gotten my attention. If it's something kind of serious or you know, in the, in the current realm, in the news or whatever. And then if you take that and extend it and create a, a piece on that, then I guess when you bring it to the group, there's that um, risk that it's going to be something that might not resonate the same way with everyone else. So I think you're right in that regard. Whereas prose has, it has, uh, there's a little more of a safety net there because people tend to be more familiar with it There's lots in a poem that you can comment on, you know, word choices, imagery, assonance of the sounds, plosives, um, which are the way certain vowels and consonants, you know, how they sound when you speak them.
1: There are six plosives in the English language, p, b, t, d, k, and g. The plosiveness refers to how you aspirate when you say these particular words. For me, my problem plosive is P. That's why I have a pop filter. It's to soften up the plosiveness of the P's that I pronounce.
3: A lot can be learned from hearing a poem read aloud. It it makes a huge difference to me as an audience when I hear the poet read it aloud.
1: I 100% agree with that that it changes the experience of the poem when you hear the poet read it. Yes.
2: And you get to see the reaction of the audience too. Right. Which is fascinating, I think.
4: You just don't exactly know how a reader is going to receive your your poem as a writer, no matter how how uh, hard you've tried uh, to make things clear. Um, it's not always clear to us uh, as writers.
1: This question is for everybody. What is the one poem that sparked the passion and love for poetry and made you want to be a poet?
4: So in high school, I liked this boy and he was tall and lanky and went through the hallways in his plaid shirt. And I found out he liked the doors. And I went to the school library one day and they had uh, Jim Borison's poetry, a, a book called Wilderness. And um, I was like, I'm going to memorize some of these poems to impress this boy and I went and I re- I memorized and recited some of the poems and he he had never seen Jim Morrison's poetry and had no idea what I was talking about um, but boy aside I got into Jim Morrison that is and uh, you know he's not the worst, say what you will about the merit of his work, but he's not the worst gateway drug but for um, young poets to get interested in poetry.
2: He actually was a huge influence on me too. And, um, <laughs> as a lyricist, I think, you know, because I think um, it was music that actually drew me into poetry, the lyricism, the lyrics of music. So Jim Morrison, Joni Mitchell, um, even Leonard Cohen at that time. And, and you kind of move... That is kind of the, the gateway drug, I think, uh, song lyrics for sure. I moved into um, Leonard Cohen's Spice Box of the Earth was oh, probably yeah. the first poetry book that I ever bought. There are two poets that I
5: remember, John Don. Um, mm. I really love that No Man Is an Island. I remember falling in love with that when I was in high school. And the other one was The Tiger by William Blake. Oh, you know, tiger, tiger, burning bright, bright. in the forests of the night. I don't know why I remember that, but I, I've always remembered it. It was just really kind of struck me when I was young and it was just felt so beautiful. I never thought I could write like that, to be honest. I was always like I, could, I couldn't be a poet
1: because I couldn't write
3: write like that.
1: Fantastic. And what about you, Linda?
3: I, I developed an early um, love for the rhyme and rhythm of of the lyrics and music. And then I kind of forgot about it after I graduated from high school and I started teaching. And my my degree is in French, but when you are a French teacher, you almost always have to pick up some other uh, subject area. So language arts was the natural one. And I started discovering poetry again through teaching kids poems. And so we picked up on, you know, Shell Silverstein was a favorite. Again, the rhyme and the rhythm I, I really enjoyed. And I can honestly say children's literature yeah. often is written very much as poetry. And when I used to read to my little kids, the Sandra Boynton books, I don't know if anyone else yeah. knows those little storybooks, but oh my goodness. And to keep them calm in the car, I would recite, you know, so my kids would stay calm in their car seats. It was, I just loved the rhythm and the rhyme. You're right. It's,
1: it's so lyrical. Mm-hmm. And it, it never occurred to me that I was reading poetry, which I clearly was. How did it feel seeing your words in print out there for the world to see?
2: It was so. It was such a joyful day that we saw the first proof. When I, I, I was the one who went to pick up the proof, and honestly, I, I I almost couldn't breathe when it was in my hands. I just thought it was so amazing to see this this beautiful book that felt so wonderful in my hand. And I just uh, yeah, it was pretty amazing. It was it was really emotional for me. <laughs>
1: How was
5: it for you, Sharon? I was like so excited. And it was, and partly it was because I was trying to put the poems together and make it feel readable and feel like there was a flow to it. And the book was, is exciting to see and exciting to have, but I don't know, it it didn't quite get the thrill that I got when I first printed it off the computer. I'll be honest. (laughs) And what about
0: you, Yulit? Oh, when I received it, it was in a beautiful box. In Linda's backyard, and it felt like such a such a gift uh, to receive.
1: That's lovely. What about you, Lori?
4: It never gets old. It feels good every time, (laughs) because you know that you've put the the effort into making those poems the best that you could. This project was uh, particularly special because of the the group effort into it, but also the instructive value of that and the inspirational value for other poets that might be considering putting something uh, out there into the world. It was interesting because although there wasn't really a
5: like we we didn't definitely didn't have a theme and people weren't writing about the same thing all the time there's still little pockets of things that kind of fit together and so by kind of putting the pockets together it was like a quilt right you you put this quilt piece in and then there are some poems that we all decided to write a poem on why we write poetry or or what what just a poem about writing poetry um and so that kind of became the borders for those pockets so it was was a lot of fun to put it together and try and decide how that makes it looks look nice and then to try and be fair because we're women and we have to be fair so that it wasn't like one clump of kim at the beginning and another person in the middle and so that we kind of all were interspersed throughout the book
1: what would you tell someone who is curious about poetry, but doesn't really know where to start.
0: Yeah, I'd say, um, I'd say a couple of things. Uh, I I think it's, it's a bit like, of a calling. Um, You know, it has this kind of knock, gentle knock. uh, on your soul and it it doesn't really go away if you pay attention to it there is that creative force the urge that wants to that wants to come out um and it's kind of up to us um whether we keep it um kind of knocked down or we just kind of crack the door open and so i'll say crack the door open
1: what about you sharon
5: I'm so busy listening what was the question
1: (laughs) the question was what would you tell someone who's curious about poetry but doesn't know where to start
5: oh I think I probably would ask them what kind of music they liked and based on what they said say maybe you might want to try this poetry or that or, or ask them what kind of issues they're drawn to and maybe that would give me some ideas because I think one of the things though, about poetry that i love anyways is that it talks about so many different things and and kind of gives you uh, often a different perspective or that outside of the norm perspective of something so that you see more about marginalized voices or women's voices right and so you can get that other way of looking at things that we don't necessarily And what about you, Lori?
4: Well, I would try to get them interested in in writing it um, because that, uh, you know, once they're putting pen to paper and they discover that you you can't know in advance just exactly what's going to happen once you've begun to write, um, happen on the page, happen in your mind, how one thing leads to the next. And it's such a thrilling process, even when you might feel that you have so much to learn and you might not have the tools in your, in your tool chest yet, um, that I think that gets a lot of poets interested in then uh, reading a lot more poetry because they want to know what are the secrets of these other poets that they have to share, to, to share with me in their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might do what my other friend in high school did for me put a paper and a pen in their hand um, put on a a record album and say let's just write something and and reconvene after side one and see what share what we've written with each other because it's also kind of magic when you um, you know that somebody's interested in reading what you're what you're going to write and you have that kind of anticipation as you're writing
1: who would like to start with reading a poem from Uncommon Grounds their poem
4: you know i i wouldn't mind going now because i never know when my dogs will start barking okay, go ahead. and right now they're not barking okay go ahead <laughs> so uh, and actually this poem um has uh, in it my high school friend um he he was it really into the beat poets and he hitchhiked to san francisco and i went there to visit him and we went to a fairly famous cafe there called vesuvio and uh, there's lots of beat generation artifacts on the walls. so um i wrote this poem for armor (laughs) that was his name vesuvio ever since i turned you down i can't get your attention We sit in the after image of your love. She and you began, you tell me, in the booth across from this one. Identical, but shifted across an invisible bisect, suspended above the bar. Vivid memory, another beat gen artifact. Even the ghosts of objects are on display. Haunt the air around nostalgic clutter. Framed Kerouac's smile for crooked-eyed cameras in draft-poured anchor steam. As sure at the time as I am now, they were the real, not the photograph. Not picturing themselves suddenly black-whited, flipped, dimpled, wrong-cheek. We get a false sense of preservation, whole selves transported and developed in the lab. Scored forever on silver film like they still stood alive in a photogenic heaven to cast it. Ceiling flipping us upside down, I forget how hands work, fumble all symbolic gestures. Wrong Wade, my words come out backwards. If I could turn you over and around, you could read them.
2: Go go right ahead, Kimberly. This is a poem called "Glow." It's your essence, I see, your spirit, your bright, bright being, your ness, oneness, otherness, man-ness. Your body disappears into soft, sweet energy as you caress me, tenderly exploring length and nooks and the divot behind my toes. It's your light that touches me. It's your light that loves me.
5: I pulled this poem. Um, I wrote it that first month of COVID. And I was reading it over thinking, wow, it's been almost two years and not a lot's changed. Mm -hmm. So this is called Calgary, March, 2020, driving to work at 7 a.m. One, March, week one, the sun above the horizon. Golden, heralding spring as I drive, taillights now visible morph from angry red eyes to freaky faces as I follow them to work. Week two, spring forward. Who thought of that disastrous motto? It is dark, the promise of spring falling back into oblivion. Enraged taillights stare back again as I drive up the ebony hill. Week three, pandemic. It is only a week later. The sun searing a crocus sky has reappeared, but the world changed. The taillights are disappearing. I have few counterparts these mornings. Four, month end. I have an open road. Everyone's stuck safe at home. They glare at me through buttoned-up windows as I drive past. I want to put a sign in my rear window. I'm going to work. If I could stay home, I would. What will April bring?
0: This one is called Meditation on Becoming Mother. Bare naked body, bearing child. Bear with me a while. My belly is bursting with being. Bleeding biographies beneath my breath. Buoyant with God.
1: Thank you for sharing that. Linda, you're up.
3: Okay, I'm going to read the one called Self-Contained. Every woman has something to put herself into from the movie Phenomenon. We are collectors of vases and teacups, bottles and jars, bowls and pockets and corner-worn envelopes. In them, we see ourselves, vessels that cradle and carry, protect and nourish, that offer space within for the world without. In them, we place ourselves, our secret longings and broken promises, all our worries and sorrows, prayers and celebrations, generations of memories we cannot keep yet cannot bear to lose. In them, we lose ourselves, bound by convention, precept and fear. We shrink our desires into trinket sized boxes, contain our ambitions, our egos, our dreams, withholding our truth. We are women, gatherers and keepers, our lives reflected in all we hold on to or choose to let go.
1: Thank you very much for doing that. Wow. this has been very educational and informative. Uh, I feel less afraid and intimidated by poetry now. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate this. Um, I wish you the best, best success with Uncommon Grounds. Uh, where can people find the book?
4: It's available on our website. Which, which is? is um, espresso dot. Oh, oh, I picked the wrong one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Ex- you can edit that nicely, right?
1: <laughs> Give it
4: to me one more time. Espresso Poetry. Oh, no, no, it's stumbled
1: up. <laughs> oh, you're under pressure.
4: <laughs> Espresso Poetry collective dot C-A. That's Espresso Poetry collective dot C-A. Poets are waiting to take your order now.
1: That brings us to the end of another episode of What Were You Thinking? You can also connect with me on Twitter. I am author Dana Goldstein, and on Instagram, same handle. And you can find me on Facebook, also author Dana Goldstein. If I could ask you to rate and review this podcast, it would really help motivate me to do more. I'm just kidding. I'm going to do more, anyways, because I'm having so much fun with this. But please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for giving me your ears again. Hey, I'm pretty glad you stuck around. And you're going to be glad you stuck around too, because instead of a secret, I didn't ask the poets to tell me something not a lot of people know about them. So I thought I would share the poem that I wrote in 1984 when I was in the ninth grade. It's awful. It's called only a dream. I once had a dream of a land of tomorrow, a land with no war, killing, blood, or sorrow, where the flowers can bloom in the sunshine so bright, where the children can play from day until night. The soldiers don't march to the gates of hot hell, and their blood does not pour from a corpsey old shell. I hope that one day I can swim in a pond and hold hands with pure nature In a non-breaking bond but there is one small problem in this land of calm streams the one thing I hate it's only a dream I'm really sorry for that I feel like maybe I was a little disturbed
4: Paradise, put up a parking lot
3: with a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone?